Hi, Dr. Gator here. Are you ready to take your family's health to the next level? Check out my free immunity and wellness masterclass at integrativepediatrics.com. Dr. Gator, I feel like having a toddler at home during the pandemic, you know, being stuck at home, not being able to go anywhere throughout the last year or so was not the easiest thing, but nope. <laughs> not the easiest, <laughs> no. but much easier than all of the parents and kids that have been doing distance learning. My friends, all of my friends who have kids all different ages, but in school have had the most challenging year just getting their kids to learn. And I feel so grateful that I'm not there yet. I mean, in in general, like backpacks and homework and schedules like that just completely freak me out. All of my best friends know this about me that um, like the baby part about parenthood, having the infant, I feel like I could do that all day and all night, literally. Um, But the school thing just I'm intimidated by and it's been such a tough year. Mama. Welcome, parents, to Raising Amazing. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Gator-Warsh, board-certified pediatrician specializing in integrative medicine. And I'm Serena Vincent. I'm an actor, writer, and new mother. Join us in learning and laughing as we navigate through the messy path of parenthood. And together, let's begin Raising Raising Amazing. (laughs) I don't don't know. It's been a tough year for all parents, and especially the school-aged kids in a lot. It depends where you are in the world. Everyone's done something very different in terms of schooling, and there are lots of hybrid models. There's lots of kids that were home totally. There are some schools that never closed, and then you know now a lot of kids are starting to go back to school. Some are again having like a hybrid model. Some are back to totally normal uh, school from before. It's, it's inconsistent. Just across, everybody's nobody knows what to do and knew what to do, and it's just inconsistency across the board. Yeah, and and. As we're hopefully coming out of the pandemic to whatever degree we are at this point, there's still a lot more homeschooling or Zoom schooling or just doing things on the computer. And and that trend has been increasing anyways, even before the pandemic. There's just a lot more on school. And so that's why I think we wanted to spend this episode chatting about Zoom schooling and tutoring and just working online in general, because this is nothing that we have ever had to deal with when we went through school. And so this is this is a new issue, a new problem, a new topic of discussion for parents and and so we wanted to get into this and really dive into the problems that parents are facing and some of the solutions um and and just maybe some strategies as to what can help you as a parent navigate these waters for zoom schooling homeschooling using the computer for all things that were never used on the computer before so yes kids are struggling right now And parents are struggling trying to figure out how to get their kids to learn. Obviously, during the pandemic with Zoom school and distant learning and hybrid and all of the things, it was really stressful. But even as things get back to normal, it's not going to be normal (laughs) uh, for a while. And technology isn't going away. Kids need to learn how to learn off of devices and learn in this different way. And parents need strategies to help their kids learn better. And um, obviously, learn better and 
cope and manage these anxieties and these stresses. We are so excited about our guests today. We have actress and author Elisa Donovan on, who is going to be really real and honest about all the anxieties that Zoom school and distance learning has been on her family and her eight-year-old daughter. We're also going to talk about her memoir that's coming out. I'm so excited about that. And then we also have on, you guys, I'm so excited about this part, a real live professional, (laughs) a tutor, John Sprick. He's incredible. What's fascinating about John is that he, he works with students. He works with parents. He works with teachers. He works with the school district. So he has this really interesting perspective on how to help our kids learn better. So let's get right into it. Here's Elisa Donovan. We are so excited for our guest today, Elisa Donovan, one of my dear friends and incredible actress and mother. You know Elisa from Clueless, Beverly Hills 90210, A Night of the Roxbury, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. You've seen her in the franchise of family films, The Dog Who Saved Basically Everything, right? <laughs> you are also the yes. voice in um, the number one bestseller, Lean In and Option B. And Elisa has her first book coming out very soon. It's called Wake Me When You Leave. It will be released on June 8th of 2021. We are so excited to have you here, Elisa. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to chat. So because we're friends, I know what you've gone through this past year in this COVID pandemic, having to school your kid at home, your beautiful daughter. And um, today's episode is all about that and all of the challenges that parents and mothers and fathers um, and kids have faced through this whole distance learning thing. And we want to help all the other parents out there who are still going through this. So um, thank you for being here and willing to chat about it. Yeah, I would just say before we even start really talking about it, we can share that just trying to start this uh, chat with us presented all these technical issues, right? Like we had problems with (laughs) my headphones, then it was Dr. Joel's, then it was mine again, then it was Serena, we had to stop, go back. So imagine if you're eight and you're trying to learn math or you are trying to, you know, process some new information, you like, I wanted to kick and scream while that was happening. So when you're eight, it's really, really challenging. And these kids are going through that every minute of every day, kind of. And, and, and yeah, and we, we have such, I mean, I know that we have great technology in the office and I know Serena's been upping her speed and technology and it doesn't really matter you know every time there's still there's still problems with with the internet and there's so many maybe you know less fortunate families that don't have a great internet don't have internet they don't have all this technology and and to to go on to zoom or or whatever whatever technology is being used it can be tough it can pose a lot of problems and i'm seeing a lot of these new issues in in the office like people parents are coming in complaining discussing about the stress and anxiety of distance learning it's become an issue a lot of people have just pulled their kids out and are just doing their own thing um it's been tough on on everybody so what 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 has it been like for you this year in terms of of distance learning and you know zoom school zoom life 
So um, when we, the pandemic first hit last spring in March, my daughter's, she was in first grade and her last day of school was March 12th. And, you know, at that time we thought, okay, well in two weeks, they'll be back in two weeks. So, you know, we'll just mm-hmm. deal with that. And we're fortunate enough that she goes to a school that has a tremendous amount of resources. So she was sent home with an iPad as well as a whole stack of, um, you know, just actual actual uh, handwritten work to do workbooks and things like that. So we were totally prepared. The school was amazing. But then as soon as you begin, all of the technical things happen and trying to coordinate all these kids. So even in the best environment, um, with all the resources, it was still a, uh, a trial and error for, you know, a, a couple of weeks. And with that, I mean, that's one thing if that's all that you're dealing with. But then you have these kids who don't understand why are they on a screen all the time? Why are we not at school? Uh, how, you know, at first it's kind of fun and chaotic for them where they all see each other on the screen and everybody's like, hi, Scarlett, ah, la, 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 you know, <laughs> and then. But then what? Then over time, very quickly, they start to get this fatigue. They can't really focus. Um, They're just frustrated because they aren't seeing their friends. They aren't having that that physical contact and the in-person experiences that, you know, Dr. Joel, you know this very well. I'm sure that young kids like that, that's something they desperately need. It's it's a part of how they... Uh, develop as human beings. It's about how their 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 minds and their hearts and their spirits develop. And um, you know they need those conflicts on the playground. They need to have the thing like you know, um, Katie was mean to me and she blah 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 blah. And then you say, oh okay, yeah, that was a tough moment, I guess, for you. But if they're not even doing that, they're like losing this whole part of what they need. So. Um, it was incredibly difficult for us uh, for the first, and my daughter's an only child, so she didn't have the distraction of, of a sibling, and um, it was very, very challenging. So I just, I, I feel like all mothers are losing their minds right now, <laughs> at least all yes. of my friends, um, and their kids, you know, ages range from, yes. you know, yeah. Um, from toddlers to teenagers, but, you know, so collectively as a whole, everyone's life looks very different than it ever did. Everyone's exact personal experience with distance learning and Zoom school is different, but overall, most moms are feeling really stressed out no matter what age your kids are, right? I do think that it's helpful for mothers to know that they are not alone. So how have this, has this affected you? How are you feeling now? How was it for you? What do you it's do really, to keep yourself sane? <laughs> right, right. It's really interesting because um, I, I feel like, I've said this before, but I, I really feel it needs to be repeated. <laughs> uh, two things. One, being a parent through this whole thing has been the by far the greatest challenge and the most difficult part of it. And on the flip side of that, it's kind of one of the things that has saved me because I have, I have looked at it like I have got to get it together for this little person. So every time that I am on the brink of losing it, which I've lost it many, many, many times. And, (laughs) and, and in fact, 
my daughter has seen that. And you know Scarlett, she's really intuitive and she's a really sensitive kid. And she's seen it. And it's just presented these opportunities where I say to her, I have to be accountable and say, I'm so sorry I got so upset. This is a really hard time. It's not okay that I yelled, um, you know, whatever it may be. And um, so then she sees that it's okay to get upset. We just are have to be accountable for our behavior and then we keep going, you know? And it's also, as a mom, I have bonded so much deeper with my closest friends and some new, you know, I, my conversations with my girlfriends have unequivocally, without a doubt, saved me through this whole thing. Because if they're having a moment of, I just can't do this anymore, I'm failing at everything, I'm trying to do my job, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm terrible at my job, uh, my kid is crying and yelling at me, my husband is like, what's wrong with everybody? You know, it, I, then I can say, <laughs> I was there yesterday, like, I'm not, I'm not there right at this moment so I can help you. <laughs> and then, you know, the next time it will be one of them leaning on me. So in a, in a kind of, you know, lemonade out of lemons sort of a way, there have been really positive um, things that have come from this in terms of, of actually having real authentic uh, conversations with people that, that I care about. Uh, but it's been a nearly impossible task to parent through this because it's uh, they're struggling just as much as 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 we are, and you know we're the grownups, we're the ones that are supposed to have it together, <laughs> right? It's it's so true, and and everybody is struggling, right? And that and that's it's one of the things that I, I think I'm fortunate to some degree as as a doctor, but also. You know, it, it takes a toll on, on, on us as well. We, we do discuss this often. I mean, people don't realize how often we have to talk about this. And my job as a pediatrician went from the most part from earaches and, and tummy aches and poop discussions to mental health right. and right. discussing right. and basically becoming a, a psychiatrist. I mean, people were still coming in every now and again for their checkups, but most visits were my teenager's having trouble. I'm having trouble. I don't know how to do this. How do I do school? And it's, mm -hmm. that's just a normal thing that we have, everybody's dealing with right now. Everybody is having the same, you know, dysfunction, difficulty, whatever, whatever you want to call it with the pandemic. We just, yes. we're never, we're prepared for this. Nobody's prepared for this. Nobody knows how to handle this. And there is no good way to handle it. There's no good way to do, you know, be on the computer for Zoom for school or to not see right. your friends or not see your family. There's no way to do it. There's no way to balance. Do I see grandma versus do I worry about killing grandma if I yes. see them? Like that. There's no right. way to, to rationalize to that in your mind. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and it, that's something that we're all thinking about. The amount of times that people come and they ask me, "Can I? Can we have grandma over? Can do? How safe is it around my baby? What do I do? Can I go outside? Just the fact that you're thinking, "Can I go for a walk with yes. my baby?" Yes. There's no way to not have that affect you mentally. Right. So I really think about how, you know, the, 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 um, compilation and the, 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 you know, if you, if we do that for a month, that's one thing, right. And then we do it for two months, three months, four months, five months for a year, it starts to change how we fundamentally, uh, operate, you know, and it starts to, to affect 
our our mood in a in an entirely different way, right? This idea of like longer term, you know, the re longer term ramifications are things that I worry about now. You know, the aftermath. What's it going to look like if if my daughter has anxiety now, which she very much does, and uh, you know, how do we how do we you know pay as much attention to that without overly trying to fix something, you know, and I, I just generally as a, as a, as a person, I'm somebody who believes in communicating our feelings and talking about discomfort and, uh, you know, addressing those kinds of mental and emotional challenges because I, I mean, I'm a recovered anorexic. If I didn't deal with my feelings at some point, <laughs> I wouldn't be sitting here, you know, and it's also, as I want to have you on another something... podcast to talk about that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sign me up. But, you know, as an artist also, it's a part of who I am. So it, it makes it a little bit more comfortable to be able to express this stuff. But I'm such a big believer, you know, I think if there's one thing that I've tried to do this whole time as a parent with Scarlett is to be really open with her and authentic with her. So in other words, not trying to pretend like everything's great and happy and pretty, but say, this is really hard. It's really hard, isn't it? You know, cause she'll come home. Now she's back at school four days a week, which is life changing. Um, but then you have all the, the ramifications of being back around kids, but you can't really be around them and they have six feet of distance and they have their masks and they can't eat together and they can't do, you know, all of these other things, which absolutely is better than her being on the screen, but it presents its own, you know, its own set of, 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 you know, challenges and ways they have to reintegrate. And I mean, I don't know. We're figuring it out as we go along, you know. But I, I, I do know that I try to, I try to, really uh, acknowledge her feelings, even if they're irrational, and then you know, kind of reflect back. You're, it sounds like you're really struggling today, you know, because it's rarely about whatever the thing is on the screen. The thing's not working. Uh, someone doesn't say the right thing. She doesn't understand a particular task. It really, it's about the fatigue of being on a screen mm -hmm. and also not having life be the way she recognizes it. Right. And we had this amazing moment. I said to Serena that we have these um, like shower chats at I night, you know, when she takes chat. a shower. <laughs> and sometimes I take a shower with her or else she'll be, if I don't, she'll just say, can you sit with me and, you know, can we chat? And she had had this, you know, completely monstrous out of the park terrible day like breakdowns about absolutely everything and it was a distance learning day she has distance learning every Wednesday and I'm you know try to remind her this sometimes tends to happen on Wednesdays you know um so she had just been like out of proportion upset about various things and I she said to me in the shower mommy I'm sorry I got so upset today and she said sometimes I get I make a big deal out of something that's a small deal just because I miss my friends oh. and I miss being with people. It's very and insightful. I miss doing, I know. And I said so yeah. that I start crying and yeah, I'm like, crying. that's really wise, <laughs> you know? But, and so we didn't make it better. 
it just, it made her able to metabolize what, like she's starting to be able to metabolize what she's feeling. And, you know, I, I wanted to say, I want to comment on something that you said earlier, Elisa, that you're taking this time to have these teachable moments with Scarlett when you lose your cool over things and you come back and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I didn't need to, to handle that that way. I mean, clearly she's hearing you because she just repeated it back to you in the shower. I, I'm telling you, those incredible. are like the tiny, the little parental wins, where, which is why I'm talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Because, People need you know, there are, there are so many things that do not go that way. And um, I felt like, okay, that was this, this one little win where this we, we might make it through all of this, you know, and we might have a, a silver lining. But she's still, you know, she's she's very, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, self-aware. And she still, if you ask her, you know, what's your least favorite thing about anything? It's COVID. Like she wrote it, she drew it in the shower the other day on the steam. I hate COVID. You know, like what's the Just word? all of it. All, I, of, all it. of it. All of it. <laughs> Yeah. What do you like about this 2020? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And you know, it was her, uh, she turned eight on May 8th of 2020. And she was very excited because it was her golden birthday, mm-hmm. which I wasn't even aware of, of this. But, um, you know, so we were planning to make this very big deal. And then it became clear that we weren't having any party, you know, that we that it wouldn't we be had to make deal. it as special as we could. It, it was a drive-by birthday party, which wound up being very special and lovely, but she will say, she's like, this was supposed to be my best year. It has been the worst year of my life as if she's like a hundred and, you know, and I said, well, (laughs) there's always next year, you know, and also it's not over yet. You know, she has till May for the golden year. So we're really going to bring it home. Yeah. We're really going (laughs) to. So, um, I, because you're my dear friend, I know that you've also had to juggle Zoom school and all the drama that comes with that, with the work that you're that you do, and all the work that goes into publishing your first memoir. Mm-hmm. It, it's a lot. Let's talk about your book for a minute. Um, I guess well, how that yeah, first the... how it was to juggle, but then also tell everyone about it. It's a very beautiful, very personal memoir, and I feel like this. This book is going to help a lot of people. I thank you. I really hope that it that it will. I will say that uh, it's a project that has been there. You know that the Serena has um, is familiar with the film that is in development as well. That the book is that is based on the book. Um, but the book itself has I've been working on it for many years. Almost got a deal a bunch of years ago, and then didn't, and put it down, and then picked it back up and then suddenly all sorts of things started to come to fruition and then I got the book deal <laughs> like the, everything was signed the day after Scarlett's last day of school last spring so again I was thinking oh she'll be back in school in two weeks and they and said the publisher the said is your first you know how is June 15th as a first deadline and I had you know certainly a, a pretty strong draft of the book, which is what, what I got the deal from in the first place, but I still had to do a ton of revisions and you know expansions and things. And I said, oh, June 15th is fine. I mean, I'm really like quick once I get into it. And then slowly but surely I went, 
no one is leaving. <laughs> my my <laughs> husband is working in the guest room. <laughs> my daughter is homeschooling everywhere, you know, in her room, in the living room, in the dining room. You know, there is just chaos constantly. And time started to tick and tick and tick. And I slowly went, oh, I have to figure out a, a solution. Like I have to, I have to get a real working situation here. So I at first set up an office in our laundry room, which is basically my husband's <laughs> closet slash laundry room. You know what it looks like back there, Serena. And then on the weekends, you don't let I me back work. there. So right, I'm always like, stay out of there. Um, so that's because it's the office and there's secret work going on in there. But so then I had to say, okay, weekends are going to be my work days. So I will write Saturday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Which then presents the problem of Scarlett saying, like, what are we... I mean, you know that, especially in the first few months, there was no way to really differentiate a weekday from a weekend. There was no real anything for anyone, especially with everyone working from home. It went from, here are your hours that you work, to, well, you just kind of work all the time, you know? (laughs) And so... I had to say, this is my time. And then every t- every morning, Saturday morning, Scarlett would come in and be like, I can't live with him about Charlie, about my husband. And I would say, okay, like, what's going on? And then she'd say, you know, and we would go through this, it was this constant, because um, she also wanted to be with me, but she also wanted to do something and we couldn't do anything, you know? So it was like, I don't know. It's a long-winded answer for saying it was incredibly challenging to do, but it also in a weird way was it was very surreal to be writing a book about grief while the it felt like the whole world was grieving in right. one way or another. So it was very odd. But important strategy. This is one of the big new things that people really have had to do and continue to really need to think about is just carving out time for things that were were obviously just done before, like exercising. You know, you just go for a walk outside. You have to, you know, carve in time during the you know, height of the pandemic where you would just, you would go outside, you would yeah. exercise. You know, you need alone time. If you're all in the house together, okay, I need my time to go for a bath. I need to be away from the family. I need 10 minutes. You know, I don't care how good of a parent you are. You cannot be around your kid for seven months straight every single hour. You need some yes. time. And everybody needs some time, whether it's help from a partner a family member, uh, a babysitter, whatever it is that you have as your help, you just, we all go through it. I mean, I have a dad, you know, dad, my kid's amazing, but you just, you can't be there no. all the time. You yes, help. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, you know, you said something really interesting too, like um, your time is now going to be working on the weekends, right? So essentially you've Zoomed, distance learned all week, Monday through Friday, and then now mm-hmm. you're going to work. I mean, I do feel like... M- Every mother, most parents yes. out there can relate to this. Whether you're a frontline yes. worker, right, or you're stuck at home, everyone just feels like, oh, my God, it never ends. Like, when does yes. when do we get a break? Yeah, the exhaustion is real. It gets yeah. very real. And all I know that, that mothers especially feel it because we feel an emotional responsibility that oftentimes I don't mean that dads aren't emotionally connected to their children because certainly they are but there is I there is a there's a different thing where I constantly feel this emotional responsibility for Scarlett's well-being so 
when I am taking time that is very important for myself, whether it's work time or just I need to go run around the block, <laughs> literally <laughs> run away. <laughs> um, you know, I still have, I have a certain amount of uh, guilt attached to that, right? Oh, and then also yeah. you do need the time, you know, when everyone, you, you sometimes nighttime is the only time that where it's quiet. My husband works um, East Coast market hours, so he's up very early in the morning and generally goes to sleep on the earlier side. So then I'd have this window of a couple of hours. But, you know, that's not sustainable. I thought, well, I'll just get the, I'll finish the book, you know, from 8.30 to 11.30 every night, you know, which that's that's totally. fine when you're like a single person who sleeps till 10, you know, or whatever it is. I'm like, this is not, it, like... I can't, that's, that is not sustainable, No, you know, and that exhaustion is so real. Like I feel it like a, I feel it like a, like a person on my back, you know, that. Yeah. Just, like three 30 in the afternoon. It's like pulling yes. you down. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and the exhaustion gets stronger and stronger as you, you continually don't have an end yes. date. You don't know yes. what, you know, if, if you're like, someone's like, Oh, everything's going to be back to normal hundred percent in two months. Everyone'd be right. fine. You know, you'd be able to handle it, but it's because it's like, well, is it going to ever end? Is it going to change? Am I ever going to see my friends? And, and, you know, at least as of when we're, we're filming this, it seems like things are slowly improving, but you know, just like you were saying with school, it's like, okay, well, we're going, kids are going back to school, but then they're in a cubby Mm -hmm. and they're, you know, they're not really seeing their friends and they're still on the computers. And so it's just this continue like, oh, okay, we're going to take one step forward. Well, actually, I'm not really. Right. And it's, we have to help them move forward, but it's, it's a slow process, and it, that makes sense from a safety standpoint, certainly. But it's it's mentally, and what we're talking here mostly about is mental health. It, it's really tough, and if you don't acknowledge it, and if you don't understand the implications that are, especially with the teenagers mm-hmm. and the younger kids, but really everybody, mm-hmm. if you don't acknowledge it, and you don't, and you think you're the only one, then that's when you run into yes. problems. The mental health problems are at an all-time high. Yeah. They really are. There's more hospitalizations than there have been. So we just have to keep talking about this, keep acknowledging it, keep reaching out to as many people as we can because yeah. it will get better. It always right. does. But it's about helping each other through I this. really feel like, you know, when I said before that I've uh, become even closer to certain people in my life, any the people that I have come closer to are the people that I have been able to be really honest with and really uh, personal with and and genuine about what's happening. And I think it's also important that we that we acknowledge that that this kind of like um, acknowledging challenges and grief and um, fear and all of those things they don't actually make it make them bigger and insurmountable, it actually helps us to release them and move through things, right? I get more exhausted when I'm around somebody who's like, oh, you know, we're good. We're just going to do, do, do. How are you? You know, everything's fine. I think, oh gosh, I wish I felt that way, you know, or it just like, it, it feels like having to keep up something that is just, I'm not interested in, you know, like it it's doesn't, it doesn't feel, mm-hmm. yeah, it doesn't um, resonate with me. So I, it, there is some, you know, stigma about around mental health. And I, I feel glad that 
perhaps one of, again, the, you know, silver linings, which I really hate that idea, <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the lemonade idea, but, but it really is true that, you know, perhaps this pandemic is going to help us to embrace exactly. that a little bit more. You know, this past year, the, the stress level has been so high for everyone and it's all relative, you know, like I, when I look at our individual situation, I say, okay, we're fine. We're healthy. None of us have gotten sick. We have a home. Neither of us have lost our jobs. Uh, we, you know, we're okay. But I can't deny the very real challenges that we have had individually and as a family throughout this, right? But it's relative to everybody. Some people, I think about these kids who have not been in school at all, and my heart just just breaks for the children and the parents and me because I don't know how, like it's so hard for us. I don't know how. And the children that are, that are food insecure, yeah. that aren't getting their meals. I mean, yes. that's just like, yeah. it's yeah. devastating. <sighs> And there's so many things, but I think a big mistake that we make as parents is then we start getting into that. Well, there's a kid who has it yeah. worse somewhere else, or there's a you know another country they're doing worse, and and like and I get that, and I and I agree that you know there there are other problems in the world, and there are other things, but it's still also relative yes. to yourself and your own life, and having that perspective, I think, a lot of times can help you get out of the situation to some degree where you're like, okay, well, we have food, we have a family. Our family is healthy. You know, those kind of things can help you go, okay, is my problems that I'm dealing with today, is it really that bad? But at the same time, these problems are important yes. to you. These issues yes. are important to you, and they're relative to your life before. And especially if you're a teenager, let's say, you don't necessarily have 40 years life experience, 30 years yes. life experience, 60 years life experience. So you're only relative to yourself. And you not seeing your friends, that is a big deal. And just because somebody in another country right. you know, has no food, that's not going to be something that a teenager is actually going to think about. You know, It is important. And it's something that maybe us as parents have to remind them mm -hmm. of these things. But at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. They're not going to not be happy because you know, they have less problems or fewer problems than some kids in some other country. They have their right. own problems. And we have to address those things in their world and also help them to have some perspective on how truly devastating those problems are. But any problem that you might not think is such a big deal could be a really big deal to somebody else too. Yes. So you, know, you have to remember yes. that. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely, it really has been an opportunity to acknowledge that everybody's experience is different. That's kind of one of those human condition things that I feel like we can never get that lesson too often. Right. Because, you know, we, we need to keep being reminded of that, that we don't know what is going on in someone else's reality. So um, you're absolutely right. So I'm going to change the energy here a little bit, everybody. So it's about <laughs> to get a little more fun. <laughs> no, we had to go. We took a question <laughs> from we took a question from a mom or a fan um, every episode of Raising Amazing. So um David Jose Valdez, you are getting your question answered. David Jose uh, asks, what was it like working with Melissa Joan Hart in Sabrina the Teenage Witch? Oh, Tell I us. love Melissa. What was it like? It was like going to work every day like with your buddy and like hanging out and having so much fun. She is, I feel like I've been so fortunate in my career with the people that I have worked with 
I've worked in these uh, kind of pop culture phenomenon mm-hmm. environments, and in every one, there have been these just incredible humans. I mean, Melissa's been on TV practically since she was born, right? Mm-hmm. The potential for her to be, you know, not only not fun, but not nice is was pretty high. And uh, <laughs> she is incredibly fun, so smart, really uh, inclusive, and, uh, you know, they made it very much like a family there. So it was super fun. I mean, we are still friends today. Uh, I, I love her. It was, so it was great. It's the short answer. <laughs> I'm going to try to find a guest that really didn't like working with Serena, but not tell her. Yeah. We can just ask I... that question. And like, what was it like working with Serena? Well, it was, it was the, the worst. worst. She was terrible. Yeah, what about working with Serena? Why did somebody <laughs> ask me that? So um, we end. You talked a lot about silver linings, which we actually do love here at Raising Amazing because we're all about finding the one thing that feels amazing. Um, so what was, you, you did outline a lot of beautiful things, but if you had to pick one, what's been your silver lining throughout uh, distance learning? Oh, <laughs> uh, throughout distance learning. Seeing Scarlet actually break through something and get to the other side of it like Aww. seeing her and this this didn't happen in one instant right it's not like she was having a problem and then she got through it and then we moved on i mean watching her struggle for months and then coming to a place where she can say i'm really frustrated by this and i can see her starting to go and you know we've made a list of things she can do when she's feeling frustrated and that's great um and she just and i just we look at her and i and she and i'll just say are you just having a tough time and she goes yeah you know and shakes her head and then dives into it and gets it done and i feel like that is one of those uh i don't know that i would have been able to witness that because i wouldn't i'm not at school with her so mm-hmm these challenges, you know, come up inevitably in one form or another. But so maybe the silver lining is me actually being able to see that in her, see her resilience building a little bit. (laughs) And also, also playing a lot of uh, board games, I guess has been pretty fun. Even though I'm I'm pretty bored with Uno and Harry Potter Clue. uh, It's been pretty fun. (laughs) Harry Potter Clue. (laughs) That's awesome. So real quick, let's just end. You said um, you have a list of things that she can go to when she's frustrated. What are like the top three things for any other parents listening that would like to make a list? What are the top three things that work for you? So I have the list. I just went to go get it. Once we made this list, when I feel upset, I think oh, I can do, right? I love it. Because it's really about helping her to relax, right? Like getting the nervous system back in mm-hmm. balance. One for her is Lego. Do Legos. Build. Building something. Two, draw a picture. She's gotten very into this uh, art for kids hub. It's this app where a dad draws with his kids, teaches you how to draw. It's been super fun. She could read a book that she likes, building anything, listening to music, 
playing football. She likes to throw the little, we have a little rainbow football. And take a deep breath. Those are the things. Beautiful. Beautiful. So if, if people want to find you, where can they, where can they find you? What's the best um, uh, On Instagram, I am at Red Donovan. And Twitter is the same. And Facebook is Elisa Donovan. I think it's Elisa.Donovan, but it's the verified account with the little blue check on all and of them. And so. everyone, her new beautiful memoir, Wake Me When You Leave, is out June 8th. And you can yes. go, tell them where they can you go can now order to pre-order. It. So it's, a, it's available for pre-order right now on Amazon and on Goodreads and on barnesandnoble.com. Uh, but it will be in the bookstores on June the 8th. And I'm super proud of it. And I'm really excited about it. And I, I hope that people find great hope and comfort in it. I know that they will. I know that they will. It is beautiful. Thank you, Elisa. Thank you. Thank you. This was so great. I well, I loved it. That was so incredible. I love you, Lisa, for so many reasons. But her authenticity and her willing to just be honest about everything in her life. And I mean, it's not easy to share all the anxieties and stresses that your eight-year-old is going through. So I really appreciate her being so honest. And I also appreciate our next guest. I'm so excited. You guys, this is why we're doing Raising Amazing. We're not just here to talk about all our parenting problems. We're here to also provide actual help and solutions. And we have on a professional, a tutor. His name is John Sprick, and he's doing extraordinary work. As I said before, he works with parents, teachers, the school district, and our children, and he serves as a mentor to kids. And it just was really an eye-opening interview. And he talks about how to make learning fun, how to get your kids to pay attention via Zoom, via tablet, how to rearrange their space so they're more comfortable. I mean, he has actual tips and tricks on of how to get kids to learn better. And he has created some incredible relationships with his own students and also tutors, tutors, so we can have more people out there like him helping kids. So let's get right into this. Here is John Sprick. So today we have a, I feel, a very valuable guest on. I'm so excited to, we are so excited to hear his perspective. John Sprick is with us and he has been an educator his entire life and he runs the West Coast branch of Fresh Outlook Tutors. I think this is really cool because so many parents and kids and teachers are struggling and you actually like know how to handle them all. And valuable. <laughs> I don't yes. know about all of them, but a, a large majority. It's it's wonderful, the families and the students that I get to come in contact with. And um, it's really interesting because I get to see uh, perspectives of different families all over, as well as different schools and how all the different schools are handling it. And it's definitely not the same across the board. So interesting. If there's one thing that's 
for sure in the pandemic is that nobody's handling anything the same way. So that's... <laughs> that's 100% true. Yeah, I think it, there's just so many struggles that are faced, that teachers are facing, parents are facing, and administrators are, uh, administrators are facing just because, you know, it's, it's unprecedented in so many ways. So. So can, can you tell us a little bit more then, you know, specifically about what you do? I know you work with... Kids, yeah, parents, sure. Teachers. No problem. Um, so uh, Fresh Outlook Tutors, um, we have two hubs in L.A. and uh, New York City. And um, we do in-person tutoring, but we also do online tutoring and have been so pre-pandemic. Now, of course, most of our tutoring is online. Um, and we work with um, students for homework help, um, academic support. We do um, school uh, applications, either into private school, into college, into boarding school. Um, we um, sometimes do students from other countries who are trying to get into competitive uh, U.S. boarding schools or colleges as well. Um, sometimes they'll reach out to us. Um, so pretty much all around academic support um, that typically has a mentoring component to it as well. Incredible. I feel like so many parents need this kind of help right now. Yeah, I'm not there yet as a parent, but I'm totally taking notes for when my kid is in school. How old's your child? My child is two. Oh, so you're in a fun, fun portion yes, of uh, yes. your child's life. And actually, life. I like just, just thinking about like all like the Zoom school and the homework that all of my friends are experiencing gives me anxiety just thinking about it. But so yeah, all yeah. of my friends have really struggled this year and, you know, um, their kids. Um, obviously, kids are back in school in some places in the country, but I'm sure there's going to be hiccups and drama as kids transition back what what tips do you have to help kids learn better make learning fun how do you approach teaching children well it's been really interesting um uh during the pandemic because obviously now we're all on zoom um so I've kind of, normally I try to, as a personal tutor and what I do when I train other tutors, is try to make the learning as fun as possible. And it's like, well, how do we do that? Well, I often see my job as a success is if I can come in and teach ACT or SAT, which most students, are, they just abhor. Um, oh. And I come in and they're like, oh, this guy, I got to do ACT or SAT. And if I can leave that session and when mom or dad asks their son or daughter, usually a teenage son or daughter, like, how was the session? If they go... Oh, it was okay. That is a huge win because they came into the session just absolutely being like, Mom, I don't want to, I don't need a tutor. This is terrible. And then they leave going, Oh, oh he's, he's cool. He's kind of cool. You know, and that an right there for me win. is, <laughs> yes. yeah, the seed of, of building a relationship. Um, it's, it's easier um, often with younger kids. Uh, so, you know, when you're before middle school, as we get into middle school, it's a little bit more challenging to win them over. Um, but often we can build those relationships, you know, and uh, one of my favorites, I was just, I just heard from a parent and she was like, wow, uh, I, I just was thinking about how long you've been with my student. This is one of my oldest students where, you know, I started with him in like fourth grade doing IC or SSAT, which is a, a private school admissions test. And now he's a, a freshman um, at the University of Miami, which is so cool to see that longevity and the mentorship and just like I've seen him, you know, struggle and succeed and all throughout. And, you know, that's the kind of relationship that I love as a tutor that's just so rewarding and so valuable. Oh my God. I could have so used this in school for anything related to math or algebra. <laughs> like I would have to go in at like 5.30 in the morning to meet with the teacher privately oh. to, 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 to absorb last night's homework so I wouldn't fail the test. 
so I'd get extra credit so I could fail the test so I wouldn't <laughs> fail the class. Like, this is really, like, I, I it, if every kid had access to something like this, I feel like we'd have a lot less anxiety in, in school. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's it's really awesome when, when parents can connect their, their students to some sort of mentor or tutor, I, you know, it's a boon for them and it's a boon um, for, for their school as well because they have that outside support. Um, I'd love to talk about though how parents can support their students in this remote learning environment because I think that's the thing that I get the most. Well, that's what we're going to ask you It's so next. difficult. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. No. There you go. That's kind of tied in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't need us. We're, we're, we're going to go have lunch. Yeah, we're going to go have a... Sorry. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So, yeah. My students are sometimes like, you can stop talking. I got it. And I was like, okay, cool. Cool. I'll stop. You got it? Sure. Okay, I'll watch. He's nice. tutoring us on the podcast. Yes. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I guess with yeah remote learning, it's just such a struggle for for so many students for obvious reasons. Um, you know, uh, I mean, if I think about when I Zoom with my family, I kind of get bored. Uh, sorry, family. Uh, you know, and if you're in any business meeting or anything, it's easy to check in and out, and it's mm -hmm. just difficult. And if that's where I'm at, like, you can only imagine where a middle schooler is at. Um, and right. that's, that's what makes it really challenging, obviously. Um, but what I think parents could probably do, um, in, and some of this might feel obvious, but it's not always happening, um, is, is to just create space. So if you can create space for your student, um, a specific space, you know, not everybody has the luxury of space, but if you do, you know, give your child a, a separate room where they can do school and where they don't have all the distractions of, um, you know, their TV and their, their playstations and their computer and their phone and all the other things that, that can distract them you know and if you don't have luxury space see if you can create a special area in their room that sort of faces away from all those distractions mm -hmm. um, that is huge so that they're not zooming on their bed or on their back or laying on the floor or all of those things to so try to create it as much like you know a, a structured school environment as possible um, and and the other thing would just be to create structure for them uh, they're not in school so I have like many students who are just like throwing their papers all around them in a circle because they're like, I don't need to pick up these papers. I'm not going to school. Uh, and while that's true, the average student cannot handle that amount of chaos. And so when the teacher's like, go get your math assignment, they look around and they're like, I don't know. And you lose 10 minutes and or their math assignment, they don't turn it in and all those things. But I'd say the biggest thing that they're losing is you know, when they go back to school and, and what we should really be thinking about is, you know, what, how can we help students be the best when they go back to school? Because that's really what it's about. And, and if they're not following organizational habits of having a planner and breaking down assignments, you know, long-term assignments and with little steps and all of those, those skills that often are included in schools, that when they go back, it's just going to be very difficult and uh, they might even be behind in the curriculum. And then if they're behind in their organizational skills, it's, it's going to make it that much harder. So, um, and then, oh yeah, the last thing I was going to say, yeah, is have the student reach out to the teacher. They should be the first line of defense and, uh, you know, create a routine that they connect with the teacher, whether that's through office hours or, uh, you know, regular check-ins or just sending an email and build that relationship because, you know, I think students are missing that and teachers, you know, have a harder time seeing where students are struggling because they're just a little box on the screen. So, Are you seeing an increase in uh, parents reaching out to look for tutors i feel like it might be you know like a heyday for tutors is I, I, uh, a lot of parents are struggling with school and with with the system and, and do you feel like people are looking for more one-on-one -on -one help 
right now? Yeah, yeah. I saw um, uh, we saw a definite increase in asking for tutors um, when the pandemic hit, um, and that was because parents were kind of instinctually knowing that that their students weren't being quite as supported. Um, especially at the beginning of the transition when, when lots of school administrators and teachers were scrambling to you know, figure out what is a remote classroom? How do I use Zoom? How do I use it effectively? You know, what's this going to look like? Uh, is it too much Zoom for my child? And some schools pulled back and they had like asynchronous days just to you know, bring down the Zoom hours and all that. So yeah, I had a lot of parents reach out because their students were just falling behind or not paying attention. And you know, things were sort of falling through the cracks. So they either brought tutors on for that or some parents, I think, were wise and they said, well, you know, they followed their instincts of like, my student is not getting the same and I don't want them to be behind, you know, in the curriculum as they go forward because of this this time period. And so they brought on tutors for like extra enrichment. Part of that might have been to keep their student occupied at home, but also looking towards the future. So Well, right, right, because these parents that are working from home or or even parents that are still working on the front lines and and their kids are home that makes sense that to occupy them at least in a positive way <laughs> um yeah for wow. sure I, I i my heart goes out to so many parents who you know they have obligations or work obligations and they also have to you know somehow manage especially when the child is younger um you know manage their zoom school at home it's just so challenging and and if Parents are new to looking for a tutor, which I, th I think a lot of people never really thought about this, or if they even were going to get a tutor, it's like, oh, I got a high school uh, friend who's really good at math to help my younger child with math or something like that, but they never necessarily thought about reaching out to like an organization. So what are the, the questions that parents should ask uh, before getting a tutor? What kind of qualifications should they look for? What, what should be the, the thought and discussion process and hiring a, a tutor if they feel like their child is falling behind or they are interested in getting a tutor now you know, during the pandemic or, or forward, maybe their child fell behind in some subject and they're looking for a tutor in the near future. Yeah, um, I would say the most important thing is that the tutor-student match um, because you know not every tutor, uh, even if they're very good, is for every student. Students have um, different um, learning styles and tutors have different skills and, and who they match with. Um, so I think that's that's really important to make sure that the tutor fits with your student. Um, I would also say that, you know, like I said before, the first line of defense is, is your school because, you know, the teachers, um, one, sometimes they have office hours, they write the test and deal with that. And sometimes schools offer tutoring services where the, the child will be more comfortable, um, where they can connect there. But if you are looking out, I would look, um, for referrals first so that you know exactly who it is um, somebody that you can trust that way um, and then look follow your instincts about a tutor if you feel like the tutor is not quite a right fit you know reach out back to that company or reach out back to the person and, and go back to the drawing board and say you know oh let's find somebody else who's, who's a better fit for my student um, because some students are very serious and they like they like kind of the drill sergeant a little bit serious some students are like really playful and distractible and like there's a learning that can happen in there with the right educator. Um, and so, you know, really following those instincts as, as far as, you know, um, who you think would be best for your child um, and that your child's actually, you know, improving either um, emotionally as far as, you know, their, um, how they feel about going forward in the work. A lot of times a tutor can, can act in a mentorship role and that's really valuable as well as teaching content or filling in the cracks of a curriculum. So we ask a question from a 
mother for every episode or a parent. And our your episode is with actress um, Elisa Donovan. And she actually has the question for you. Great. So I'm going to ask you your question from Elisa. Okay, here we go. Okay. So she says, I ask this all the time in various ways to all of Scarlett's teachers and the counselors, but maybe your tutor can, t- can give me some more insight because we could really use it. If a child is very hard on themselves and has trouble with mistakes and failure on Zoom, this can vary from not getting, really not getting something to just being enormously frustrated with themselves and not being able to focus. How do you help them to metabolize their emotions and push through to find the solution? Basically, how do you foster resilience on Zoom? Great question. Uh, yeah, that is a fantastic question. Um, I would start by saying that I, I think there's there's not one answer that ever fits every student. Um, every child has individual challenges and differences, and it's really, really important that that it's your strategy or how you go about that is specific to that child um, because there's never a blanket response when it comes to um, a child's emotions and how they go forward a child or a student I, you know I don't like to call my high school students children because they're definitely not but um, but yeah so I, I think there's two interesting things within the question it's one how do how do you manage that on zoom because um, that's really frustrating but the deeper root is often, you know, if your child is having that problem on Zoom, they were probably likely having that beforehand in some way. Um, and so uh, basically the frustration, what's, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. just hard on themselves. And um, there's a couple of things that sometimes that comes from um, that I see often. I'm just going to address that. So often there's a there's a child who, you know, when they were younger, they, they were either slightly ahead or they felt really smart. Maybe there was something that they were really good at. And so things came easy to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll see this often through elementary and middle school. And then somewhere in middle school or high school, something changes either in the curriculum, their school, or the content's just getting harder or presented in a different way. So now we have a, we have a child or a student who things came easy to them and they thought it was great and often they were praised for being so smart and and their grandparents their you know parents friends were like oh you're so smart oh my god i can't believe how great you are you're so smart and sometimes that's not bad but when a child gets used to hearing that and things come easy all of a sudden when something is difficult which it's inevitably going to be difficult if if you're in any kind of educational you know situation that when something becomes hard and it doesn't come easy, they start to think, oh, I'm not smart because it's no longer coming easy. And that emotion can be overwhelming. When in reality, what they really need to do is work hard to get through that moment when in that uncomfortability of where, uh, you know, a child needs that resilience or I think sometimes educators will call it like that grit to go forward. Um, so one of the things that I really like to do and I think is important even before you have a situation like that is to praise your child when they work really hard instead of praising them for quote unquote doing well. Yes, of course, praise them for doing well, praise them for everything, but really emphasize when they work hard at something and it, and it creates results. And even if it doesn't create results, you know, maybe they do average and go, you know, you worked really hard on that. And that is the thing that is so important in this situation. So that when they run into that situation where it's not coming easy to them, that they know that working hard is the way through it. And that's where they gain their, their self-esteem and, and their confidence from. Yes. Um, 
So that's, yeah, I would say that's sort of the general of what I see often um, for students. Now, adding on to the Zoom aspect of it, Zoom can be really, really frustrating for everybody, I, I think. Uh, and I think we've all had those moments, whether it be an important interview, an important you know meeting, whatever, where oh, it just technology fails. We had this issue today massively. I, our internet, my, every, everybody's stuff went down like 15 times for just this one episode. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can only imagine a child who, well, sometimes they have tech skills better than all of us, but uh, when they don't or they don't know what to do in that moment, and it's and especially for a student who, who their class is really important to them or they hang on their teacher's every word, that if it blips out, they're like, they start to panic. I'm going to miss what the teacher's saying. I'm going to miss what the teacher's mm -hmm. saying. And I think it's important to... Get through that moment, first of all, because nobody, when they're panicking, wants to hear, oh, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, just help them get through the moment. And then when they're in a moment that's calm, try to talk them through, and obviously it depends on the age, but talk them through, okay, so we're in that moment, what are, how do we problem solve in moments like that? And, you know, I think that's the most important thing is how do I problem solve? So you were upset, did that help anything? Uh, no, I guess it did not. Okay, so now that you're calm, like, what are the things we could have figured out or thought about? Uh, well, I guess I, I could have like, you know, reached out to the teacher because I missed the end of class and I could, oh, great. And I could have asked her, oh, good. Yeah, that would be a great thing. You know, and working through patiently as possible when they're in a calm place, you know, what are the steps that you could have taken? And, you know, you'll probably have to do that a hundred times and the hundredth time, you know, uh, maybe they'll start to pick it up. But that's what education is all about is repeating and relearning and relearning and relearning until finally it just becomes rote and natural and that problem solving ability no longer is a cause for stress i'm sure there's going to be something else that comes up as life does that is a cause for stress but but that thing will no longer be it and, and the resilience to to the minimal stress or the emotional regulation that it takes in a moment is less yeah. um, and that's such a, such a good point and i think it's a, it's a reminder because i think that most parents have this thought you know in general of okay we got to make sure we teach some strategies you want to teach as a parent you want to teach some strategies not just do everything for them you want to teach them to fish not give them the fish you know over time but this is new with dealing with technology and a lot of parents don't even know how to deal with technology and there's just a high heightened level of frustration and stress on everybody and and i think you're just mentioning this and even for me it's just a helpful thought to remember okay remember teach strategies think through it don't just you know, do it for them. Don't just fix the computer because at the end of the day, this is part of their life now. This is part of their school and it, it might, you know, they might not be on Zoom as much in the future, but they probably are still going to be doing some schooling on Zoom and people are going to, kids are going to be using Zoom and, and that's part of life. We're doing it, you know, now, right? We're, we're on we're on technology. So that's, it is a big part of life. So learning the strategies to work the problem, to figure out the solution, to figure out how you can prevent the the tech problems from happening as, as much as we can. This is a part of life skills now, just like, you 100%. know, back in the day, we needed to learn how to cook, right? And then we need to learn that again, I guess. But, you know, <laughs> learning how to use technology is a big deal. It's a, it's a big deal now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cooking, Postmates. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, uh, well, we, we should, there's a whole other episode for a whole other day. It's like 30 episodes, but, you know, food is, food, is very important. But we'll, we'll, we'll stay on technology for today. <laughs> let me let me go to a specific kind of technical Zoom issue that has came up uh, come up a lot with students, which is turning in your homework. So, oh, that's great. Uh, and this is really interesting on Zoom because... What do you mean? I, your... I sent it in. I sent it in. Yeah, right. Exactly. But <laughs> I totally did it. 
Yeah, exactly. But that's a totally new step, right? So if you have a middle school or an elementary school student who's now has the extra job of not waiting for the teacher to call on them and saying, okay, everyone turn in your homework, which students previously have struggled with. You know, I had a, a parent once who put like little notes on every pencil that said, turn in your homework, turn in your homework, and all on his binders, turn in your homework, because he would do it and he would do well, but he wouldn't turn it in. So of course, that is an issue um, and frustrating for teachers and parents alike when you have that extra step. So, you know, writing if in that space that they have, writing, turn in your homework, and then writing the steps to turn in your homework, which, you know, everybody does it a little different, but everybody has phones typically now, which is go to your scanner app, which uh, is an app that obviously scans it and makes it better, or just a picture sometimes teachers will accept. You know, uh, open the scanner app, then click share to your computer, drag the file to the um, you know canvas or whatever platform oh they're using gosh. and click send uh, because I have students who get to drag the they've dragged they do all the things it's like four steps they drag it into the canvas program or the online platform or the you know Google classroom or whatever and then they just forget to hit send and all of a sudden it shows up as missing work and as teachers you know if they grade fast that's great because then they see it the next day if they don't grade fast we see it next week and he's missed four assignments and then uh mom panics dad panics and the, the child then starts to you know snowball i did it i did it i swear i did it i did it and it just becomes a stressful situation so trying to manage those small things can really help prevent the already stressful situation that that zoom schooling can be i mean i didn't this blowing my mind just yeah. because this, <laughs> none of this is like anything you had to think about and then now it's like really starting to make sense the stresses that parents are going through just talking about this because you know, I wouldn't think about that. I wouldn't even think about like, oh, just make sure it was it was sent. But you, you can't assume that a kid did this. You can't assume that I right. did this. Yeah, <laughs> right. I wouldn't be able you know, how many times have you sent an email to somebody or whatever, and it's like, oh, I didn't get it. I never got it. Did it go to spam? I oh, I forgot to hit send. Oh, I didn't right, text exactly. Like yeah, we all do times. it. They were talking like yep. a five year old or you know, an eight year old or whatever trying to do these things. You know, it's tough. That's, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's, I think talking about it is helpful. Words are so important. One of the things that I thought was most valuable, but so small, but so huge at the same time was asking, um, are, do you have any more questions? Do you have any questions? But changing that phrase to be, what questions do you have? The former implies that there are no questions and that you shouldn't have questions. Whereas the latter, what questions do you have, implies that I really want to hear your questions and that it's, you should have questions because I'm expecting that. I'd and when you that. ask somebody that, you know, then they're expecting, oh, I should have questions. And I watch my students go, oh, they like actually think about it. Do I have questions? And even if they come with no, then I, I've seen that they've thought about it and they don't rather than just saying, no, I'm good. I'm good. Right. So I think that wow. it's so important, whether it's good job or, you know, asking for questions. That's so interesting. Um, I one of my mentors, a cousin of mine who's no longer with us, always said, to ask a person that you don't know something about, if you were me and you knew what you know, what would you ask? <laughs> so for the final question, I kind of want to ask you that, John. Like, what are what have we not asked? Because we've learned so much in this interview. Like, what have we not asked that that parents could really use an answer for? Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing that I'm getting um, right now is 
uh, college admissions, to be honest, which is a little oh, bit of a jump from where you're at. No, yeah, but um, but, but, but pressing for I don't every... know. You don't know her child. Is, is, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're college. College. yeah five five year old in college. That might be Savant. great. <laughs> uh, with you guys, maybe he'll be trained up just like that, ready to go. Right. <laughs> yeah. So whether you're a parent of a high school student who's a sophomore, a junior, and in, in even some of the seniors. Uh, well, the seniors actually are hopefully headed off to college um, by now in the year, but a rising senior for sure, um, is the ACT versus SAT in college admissions. Not versus, but the ACT in S and SAT in college admissions, which is, um, for those of your audience who don't really know, or maybe you guys don't know, um, when the pandemic hit, um, before pandemic, ACT and SAT were pretty much ubiquitous in the requirement as an admissions data point. Um, but then when the pandemic hit, obviously, in-person testing was was not a thing that most states uh, really went forward with. So you have um, right. a bunch of high person. school. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so what ended up being happening was that some states were were had tests open and some sites were open. But there were a lot of students who struggled to even get a test date. And this is for, you know, students who normally will take the test two to three times. They couldn't even get one test. And it was heartbreaking for those students who had really prepped a long time and then ended up not even being able to take it. Um, and you can imagine the stress, like, I won't get into college, all that. And, you know, I, they don't have a, I don't have a test score. So, you know, colleges were, were really understanding and they were like, well, we're going to go test optional. Um, a few went test blind, but not many. Um, and some still require the test for, for the next thing. Um, but test optional means basically that you can submit a score if you are able to take one or if you decide to submit a score, but you don't have to submit a score. Um, and for this last enrollment period, uh, that was understandable because some students just weren't able to take the test. But for this next enrollment period, as the country opens up more, they're gonna be able to take the test. And so the, the question that I get from parents is, you know, should we do this? Should we invest in prepping for the ACT or SAT? You know, it's, it's a lot of work. I don't, you know, we, they don't, it's not required. And while it's true, it's not required. It is an important data point that the colleges are going to use to assess students. And, and when they uh, went test optional, uh, many schools, it actually became more competitive because uh, without that ACT or SAT requirement, you know, a school like Harvard saw a huge increase in applications. I think NYU went above 100,000 applications for the first time ever. And so it became more difficult because more people are applying because everybody's kind of like, oh, well, I guess I'm, I'll throw my hat in the ring. Um, and so the question then is, you know, if you have a student who has like a really high GPA, a really great extracurriculars, you know, taking challenging classes, et cetera, et cetera, um, and they have a high SAT score or ACT score that can match that, that's, that's really valuable for a college admissions person. Because if you take that person and you compare it to a student who has all the same things, but then doesn't have a high ACT or SAT score, that's a hard data point to, look to not look at if you're comparing those two students. Um, so, uh, you know, you have the option of submitting it. So then beyond the flip side, some some students have really hard time with tests and they'll do really, really well in school. But then a uh, standardized test is just really difficult. Um, and in that case, maybe not go forward with it, but take the investment and put it somewhere else, whether it's volunteer work, you know, leadership stuff, extracurriculars, essays, all that so that you can really bolster the application. Um, but I'd say that's the question I'm getting now constantly all the time, especially as it's that period where it's like, ooh, we should really start prepping for this in May, June, July, and possibly the fall um, wow, for it so we can not next application period. So, Wow, great information. That's incredible. I would have never thought to ask that.
So I'm glad that I asked that question. It's <laughs> a great, great sort of <laughs> question. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. This is so, real, so valuable. And I wish I had a, I'm thinking back to my own high school years when I was a very good student, but I worked really hard. But what the, the classes that I struggled in, that gave me the, so much anxiety. I think that if I saw my kid going through that, I would, if I could, you know, could make the investment in a tutor, I, I'd really see the value in it. Awesome. Great um, I, work I wanna, you're doing. I, Amazing work that you're doing out there well, for our kids. I, I just want to toss my hat out to the educators because I see a lot of families and I see a lot of schools and a lot of administrators and there's varying levels of success, but those teachers that are really putting the work in to make that pivot to an awesome remote online classroom, like it takes a tremendous amount of work to make that successful and make that go. And those teachers that are doing that, it's it's really incredible. And the dividends it pays off for their students is, is really awesome. So, And I see that on a daily basis because I'm the guy sort of behind the student sometimes. And it's really cool to, to watch that happen. So, That's awesome. Yeah, I want to I echo that too. I, we, I think we, you know, we're talking a lot here about education and Zoom school. And, and I think we gave a shout out to all the teachers who are doing, I mean, they're doing it. It's not the best thing, but it's not, it's what we have. And, and everybody is, has their own frustrations, but you know, everybody's pivoted and done what they could to at least keep the kids educated to whatever degree that we can. So yeah, I think, uh, thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you to all the teachers out there. So, um, we don't ever leave raising amazing without asking what has been the most amazing part of this time for you? What has been the silver lining for you? Obviously your job probably got a lot more challenging, but what has been the best part? The most amazing? Um, that's, that's a great question. I love that. Um, I would say the relationships that I've been able to build with my students and it, it ultimately comes out of the negative that, that they're feeling more isolated and they're feeling a bit more alone. Um, and out of that, I think our relationship sometimes became a little bit more important and a little bit yeah. more salient. And um, I saw them sort of lean in to that relationship and the connection that we have through both fun and academics. And I, and I think that um, has been really special, uh, you know, uh, that I can be there to, to help support them. And frankly, they make my job better. So and uh, lighten my life up, which, you know, sometimes also has felt isolated. So I think that's that's been really cool. That is amazing. Beautiful. Thank you, John. Thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much. John, where can people find you if they want to learn more? Um, yeah, that's great. Uh, you can go to freshoutlooktutors.com um, or you can email me at freshoutlookjohn at gmail.com. And John is spelled J-O-N. Uh, so freshoutlookjohn at gmail.com. That is really generous of you to give out your email. You're about to get a lot of emails. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I was going to say, do you work with people all over the world or is it just specific? To yeah, so so uh, we have our two hubs in Los Angeles and New York, and that's where we've done uh, historically our in-person tutoring mostly, but we work all over the country and all over the world. Um, I've had students in London, Dubai, China, um, and then we work as students go away to college and boarding school. Um, so yeah, all over. Um, and But our in-person tutors are in New York and LA and our Zoom tutors work everywhere. So um, yeah, thanks for asking. That's great. That was so fascinating, just all of it to me. Obviously hearing from Elisa, I know some of the 
struggles that she has gone through because we are friends, but actually not all of, not all of them. And, um, and then hearing from John was so fascinating. Like, I didn't even think about that. Sending your kids to college and SATs and ACTs. I mean, I remember that being a huge piece of my high school and like a, a huge stressor. And then to just not know how that's going to happen and if it's going to affect your chances for the future. I mean, it's just something that I hadn't even given any thought of. So really interesting. Yeah. And we definitely talk about school and the issues that parents are facing with kids in school at the office, but you know, both of us have, have toddlers, right? So this is not really a lot of we're not living this. Yet. We're not living that yet, but it's such an important thing because it's coming up so frequently in the medical system. I mean, the kids are you know, more depressed than ever, have more mental health issues than ever, and a lot of that is to do with not being around their friends, not being at school, and so just even talking through the issues that they're facing, the new things that parents are facing, the Zoom schooling, and then and I didn't think at all about the the SATs and the ACTs no. and, and none of that stuff. I mean, that's not even something that I have talked too much at the school. It's just not a thing that has come my way yet but that's such a fascinating important topic and thing that that is very important to those kids as well and those families and so I'm so excited that we we chatted about that and we brought up the issues and so hopefully that can help some of the parents that are listening just to really think through some of these things or if you know the kids are coming up on some of these tests then then these are some strategies that you could use probably by the time our kids go to school we're just gonna be learning from robots or something anyway so (laughs) it's even more depressing but you're probably right (laughs) i hope you all enjoyed today's interviews as much as we did we certainly learned a lot our children are toddlers (laughs) so we are not in this school game with you, but that's what we're doing. We're here to learn together, here to raise the bar on ourselves, raise the bar on our parenting so we can raise amazing humans. We will see you next week. Raising Amazing would like to thank the Prone Family Foundation who are growing community through educational support. Thank you all so much for joining us each week. Please be sure to subscribe to the Raising Amazing podcast so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at Raising Amazing Podcast to catch any extra fun goodies for you and your kiddos. And if you'd like to submit a question to be featured on the show, you can send in your questions to RaisingAmazingPodcast at gmail.com along with your name and your city. That's it for us for now. We'll catch you next Wednesday on Raising Amazing. Happy parenting. May the force be with you.